Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Within the feminist book club community, you may know me as Alana Amor, a content contributor, but in most corners of the internet, I am known as Blackstacks, the self-proclaimed bookstagram extraordinary, baby booktuber, and bookseller, where my work focuses more on highlighting the narratives of women of color in the LGBTQ plus community. That being said, being Black, queer, and female presenting, people ask me at work for recommendations revolving around narratives that celebrate those same identities. These requests often come from people revisiting their love of reading after a long hiatus or people from outside of those identities looking to educate themselves or improve their allyship. Providing these recommendations make up a large part of my day as a bookseller, writer, and, or internet person. And so I thought I would make it sort of a standard thing. So welcome to Blackstack's Recommendations, where I provide book recommendations celebrating women of color in the LGBTQ plus community. Most of the recommendation requests I receive revolve around how can one support Black female presenting and or femme writers and where should one start? Admittedly, this can be an overwhelming and even more so, admittedly, this can be a very overwhelming question. Um, and even more so when people learn how present Black women are outside of nonfiction or essay-related genres or books. Today, we will start with literary fiction, my personal starter pack for recommendations. The first book I would like to talk about is Passing by Nella Larson, published in 1929. Though hardly the first name to be dropped in conversation of Black film writers, Nella Larson, a nurse and librarian, was well acknowledged amongst her peers as a writer, having authored two novels, Quicksand in 1928 and Passing in 1929, and a series of short stories, Passing being considered her magnum opus. Passing follows the story of two women whose paths intertwined randomly after having lost touch for several years. Upon stumbling into each other, Irene discovers that Claire, her childhood best friend, has been passing for white and has since married a wealthy white man and has had a child. Irene, fair in complexion, herself has chosen to identify as Black and has since rooted herself deeply in the Black culture of the 1920s, Harlem, also known as the Harlem Renaissance. Their relationship twists and binds under the weight of identity, gender, sexuality, and obsession. Nothing could prepare me for how hard this book Millie really rocked my soul. Not only does it pop open the somewhat secret history of passing among communities of color, but it's also a feminist text. It is a queer feminist text. The writing is immaculate. And there's a excellent twist at the end that, if I think about it even to this day, punches me in the jaw and pushes me down a flight of stairs. It's set in New York City in Harlem during the 20s and is just over 120 pages, so it is an easy read or more so a quicker read. This may be one of those books you may want to take a break through while reading, but for the most part, it should be pretty safe. It has very few trigger warnings. Also, there is a Netflix adaptation uh, that is very good starring Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega, and was directed by a woman whose mother was passing, which influenced her wanting to take on the film. The next book recommendation is The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, published in 1970. It was required reading for a lot of people. More recently, it is known as a banned text from schools. The Bluest Eye was Morrison's debut. So if you're new to it, Toni Morrison's may also be a great place for you to start when engaging with the author. 
The bluest eye on the surface is about a young black girl who prays every night for blue eyes. It offers a very interesting commentary on women of color and Western beauty standards, as well as provides insight on the complexities of black culture at the time in terms of family and gender dynamics, housing, and the workforce for black folks at the time. It was publicly suggested by Obama and therefore publicly endorsed by Obama. So now you have to read it. I don't make the rules. And last but not least, long listed for the Booker Prize. I want to say last year, two years ago, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid, published in 2019. The book follows Amira, a 25-year-old Black woman, no health insurance, is a babysitter, has no idea what she's doing with her life, but absolutely loves the kid that she's babysitting. One night she's called in to take the kids to the grocery store while some things are handled at the house. And while her and the girl that she babysits are in the grocery store, a white woman accuses her of kidnapping the child. As this exchange is happening, a bystander films this interaction and puts it on social media. And of course, it goes viral. The mother of the child is named Alex. That's the way that it is described in the book. And that's how I hear it in my head. But Alex is an influencer herself and takes this opportunity to really lean into her allyship when someone from her past ultimately changes her life and Amira's life in a very unexpected way. I devoured this book in about four seconds. It takes place over the course of a couple of days. It is very, very fast paced and therefore the sort of description was very vague, but that's pretty much all one could give you without spoiling it it is very funny but it is a whirlwind and I would recommend pacing yourself while reading it though it is so easy to just eat it all up it hosts great conversations about performative activism and allyship from all sides it also talks about what it's like to be in an interracial relationship both romantically and in friendship which it handled it in such a way that I've never really seen before and related to myself being in an interracial relationship and shared thoughts that I've never had with anyone but felt very much so like I've had these thoughts before. They concern me. I do think about them constantly such as like my partner is white, I'm black. If you have a kid, they're going to have experiences that their white parent is not going to be able to understand or reflect upon or be able to assist them through and there are going to be situations that we go through all together that may be missed by one of us because of our differences in race but it is amazing to know that 10 if you didn't catch it in the bookstagram hype please catch it now it is on paperback and if you've read it before too much time has passed and it is completely worth reading again but that is all for me folks you can find me on instagram youtube and twitter for reviews and more bookish content as well as the Feminist Book Club blog and or podcast. See you guys soon. Keep with the books. Stacks. Do you love food and feminism? Then you will love decorating your home and filling your wardrobe with merch from Overseasoned. This colorful culinary brand features clever and bold artwork with cheeky slogans like Shuck the Patriarchy and Cabernet and Equal Pay. 
Shop t-shirts, aprons, kitchen towels, baby clothes, and more with these fun and empowering designs. Top sellers include Smashing My Food and the Patriarchy Baby Bib, Root for Women, Cozy Crew Neck, and the Culinary Goddess Apron. And if you're particularly fired up about the Supreme Court decision, and who isn't, the Ice Cream for Reproductive Justice design is going to be just what you want to rock on a t-shirt or tote bag. These pieces have become cult favorites in the food world, with star TV chefs, home cooks, bakers, and foodies alike swearing by overseason merchandise. Nearly every product in the shop supports a nonprofit that's dedicated to bettering the lives of women, particularly those in marginalized communities. Not to mention that these pieces are highly functional as well as incredibly soft. And since overseasoned outfits infants to adults, it makes a great gift for anyone in your life and adds conversation-starting flair to any ensemble. Go to overseason.com shop and use code feminist to get 10% off of your order with overseasoned. Hi, everyone. Renee Powers here, and I am joined by Trisha Tate, a friend of mine. Trisha is the CEO of FinCore, a boutique fractional CFO service company that helps small business owners build financially healthy businesses, feel confident in their CEO shoes, and choreograph the lives that they want. A champion for financial education, especially women entrepreneurs, Trisha has given keynotes and taught workshops on small business finance domestically and abroad. She owns, she holds an MBA from Duke University and a bachelor's in finance from Wharton. And she started her financial career on Wall Street at Merrill Lynch and Citigroup. She is a math nerd, a professional dancer, and she just wrote the book, Dancing with Numbers, Grow a Financially Healthy Business and Choreograph the Life You Want. Trisha, I am so excited to have you today. I'm so excited to be here. So first of all, congratulations. This is your first book. And I know I've been watching your journey from probably not the start, but from the middle <laughs> to the publication. I gotta say, I'm so proud of you. I appreciate that. I am so grateful. I thank you very much. It was definitely a labor of love. <laughs> yes. it's And labor is the, uh, is doing the heavy work in that sentence, huh? <laughs> it's a lot of work. It, feel, it feels like somebody, um, I, I can never like minimize childbirth or anything, but like you give birth to this book and then there's still so much work to do and that's what I'm realizing like for any of you who are out there who are thinking of becoming an author you need a team behind you for every part of it and it's a marathon so strap in <laughs> hold on to your butts it's gonna get weird um, <laughs> so give us an overview of your book what is dancing with numbers about so dancing with numbers is a culmination of a, a number of things. So I speak regularly and love doing financial empowerment series and workshops for small business owners, for new business owners, for creative entrepreneurs, and sometimes just for you know people in general, primarily women. I love to speak to the women. It's also a combination of my experience as CEO of FinCore, as a CFO, for small and mid-sized businesses, I see the same struggles with business owners, especially those who are not numbers people. And I love math, I love spreadsheets, I love numbers. I feel like business owners and just people in general can have a healthy, happy, harmonious relationship with numbers and they should feel confident and empowered by it. But how do you get there, right? And a lot of us take classes, right? Finance 101, budgeting. We know inherently we should be doing better with numbers, but we don't, we're not moved to action, right? You can have all your financial advisors say all of the things, but we're not moved to action. And so 
I was thinking about what does it take? How do I move my business owners, my clients to action? How do I empower them? And when I sat down and thought about it, it was really like six steps that I take them through to not only empower them, but also to help them grow financially healthy businesses. And what that means is increase profits, increase cash flow so that they're strong enough to pay themselves a decent salary so that they can hire people and so that they can uh, give benefits to the people that they appreciate and that have stuck with them for many years. Those three things I just mentioned are the biggest and greatest challenges and complaints that I hear from business owners, particularly women entrepreneurs. So I was like, how do I, given all of my background and, and knowledge and experience with business owners, how can I get them to those three goals in a way that leverages finance? And I narrowed it down to these six steps. And so the book takes you through the six steps towards dance, essentially dancing with your numbers. So dancing with your numbers doesn't just mean it's for, this is for performing artists. It's the, the title is what I want you to feel when you are dealing with your finances, whether you are working a nine to five and you're trying to save for retirement and for, you know, for your kids, or you're just starting a side hustle, or you've been an established business owner for a long time. This is the feeling I want you to have when you engage with the numbers. So the book basically walks you through the six steps. Um, of how to get there and grow a financially healthy business. And then I did a couple of things to make it exciting. Because I'm a professional dancer, I added a lot of dance metaphors. The titles of the chapters are really like savvy. So one is like, don't freestyle your financials. And so I talk about like all of the financial partners and the team that you need to have with you to get things going. Another one, another one said like smooth through the triggers instead of smooth. Like I did a play on the word smooth. When I talk about cash flow in there, I talk about the 10 cash commandments. That's an ode to Biggie Smalls for those of you who are hip hop artists. I love it. So I put like dance and melody and music and all of that vibe in the book to make it engaging and to make it fun. And then the other thing that I did to make it engaging and fun is I had, um, I interviewed like 11 business owners and a couple of business advisors to add some spice to it. So then this is not a textbook. This is like, I want people to see that real life business owners went from like fear to freedom, right? And so all of these things are mixed in there like a ragu. Or like a really well choreographed group number. <laughs> that part, that part. I love the way that you use this metaphor of dance to talk about finance, because these are two, you know, ostensibly disparate ideas that you are uniquely positioned and come by honestly to, to write from this perspective. And I think that what gets missed in a lot of business books is that creative part of it is that um kind of honest self is that fun free loving uh like movement I don't know creative uh -huh. approach yeah. and when we follow <laughs> I'm gonna say by the book but when we follow <laughs> you know business finance or personal finance by the book like it feels really stilted it feels 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I, I always feel like I'm suffocating when I'm mm. reading those like white male <laughs> mm-hmm. written finance books. Like, yeah, first stale. of all, don't, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you don't understand my life, right. but that's right. You do. Right. You come yeah. from it from a very different background. I mean, yes, you've got your, your MBA, you've got your Wharton education, like you, you are pedigreed and <laughs> you also have a very unusual, specific, important lens through which you see numbers. Tell me a little bit about how dance has influenced your career in finance. I'm going to answer that question and something you said sort of triggered something else that I want to insert in here. So the book dance, I've always wanted to write a book since 2006, right? And so someone saw this opportunity to write with a writing community and was like, Trisha, don't overanalyze it, just go. But it was a perfect time because when I started writing this book, I had also been thinking about rebranding my company. So I've been in business now six years, but for the first few years, of course, you're figuring out who you are, and what differentiates you, right? What makes people come to us as a boutique CFO services company versus somebody else, right? You could pick anybody. And there was a point where I didn't love my my business and also the triple pandemic hit. And I call it triple pandemic because it was the health, recession and racial tensions. And so in the midst of all of that, as a black woman business owner, I thought to myself, who will I be? in this ecosystem of what's going on. I'm not necessarily one to go in the streets and be an activist, but I see financial independence and empowerment and community building as a form of support for what is going on here, right? And I put in my book, the three moments in life that kind of inspired the book without me even thinking about being an author. And one of them was when I was working at Citigroup, I taught a financial literacy course on behalf of this organization in New York called Operation Hope. And I was 20 something, and there was a woman who was like 50 something, old enough to be my mother at the time, who did not have basic knowledge of financials because her husband used to handle everything. And now she was divorced. And then she was asking me some questions about credit cards. And like, I couldn't believe that she didn't know those things because I grew up with women who were financially independent who own their own homes. I have, I started my 401k at at 21. And so I have always been supported by people that have been learning financial lessons. And so that was my first time realizing that everybody doesn't have this information from the beginning in life. And so if you don't have financial information, if you are not building strong money habits and behaviors and beliefs from childhood, then all of that comes into your adulthood and then into your business as an adult. And so people who are not numbers people is because they didn't have a healthy relationship with it from the beginning, or they didn't learn to have a healthy relationship with it from the beginning. So I realized that in 2020, one of my, when I was searching and thinking of how am I gonna rebrand the company so that it encompasses all of who I am, I am a finance professional, I am a professional dancer, equity member. So I wanted dance to be infused in there. And my purpose is financial empowerment, right? So I remembered those three things and I found a brand strategist that has this company called Brand Twist. 
and she smartly gets you to put together the industry that you're in with an industry that's completely different from yours to create the the right language right and the right texture and and as a numbers person, I don't know about brand and brand voice and all those. I wasn't thinking about that, but I thought it was so smart. And I was looking for a way to combine all of who I am. And I already had the twist, right? I had dance and accounting, like two completely different worlds. And so through this eight week process is where I learned and I realized the language and who I wanted to represent and what I wanted to look like. And I wanted color. And I wanted people to be energized around numbers. I wanted people to be empowered. And so that helped build the brand that is now FinCore. That helped create the three things that we want business owners and anybody who engages with me, the person, and with my company, which is education that they are, I don't want to say the word empowered because everyone uses that, but educated that they're engaged with their numbers so that they can elevate their impact in their community, for their business, or in their life, right? In their own life. And that also created this through line that goes through my business, FinCore, as well as the book. So I'm saying all of this because that time during the pandemic, my searching for how to combine all of who I am fed my brand, my company, and its color and how it shows up and the book. And so there was a moment where I sat and I thought, what does it take for me to be at peak performance? Anytime I'm on stage, I love to be on stage, but this starts from a place of like, I'm not confident. I'm not sure the choreographer doesn't really like what we're doing. And then you get to a place where it's like muscle memory and it feels good. And then it looks like an ensemble. And then the audience comes and applauds you, but they don't know all the ish that you've been through before that. That kind of experience, okay, how do I get business owners from that place of unsure, lack of confidence, all the way to this peak performance? That was the through line. So in the same way that dancers must strengthen their physical body and their core, because I also used to teach Pilates at one time, in the same way they need to strengthen their physical core and their bodies to be at peak performance, business owners and People in general need to strengthen their financial core, that's the name FinCore, financial core in order to be at peak performance. So that is the through line in the book. And that's how each chapter is formulated to get you through those six steps and those different stages, sections in the book to peak performance in your business. There's literally no one else in this world that could have written this book. And that's what I love about that. It is the perfect marriage of both sides of you. How might the everyday person, the non-business owner, utilize this book? What are they going to find helpful in this book? I would say, especially this, the section that says strengthen. So again, dance metaphors. First section is called stretch. Actually, start with stretch. Stretch is about mindset discomfort, fear, how to identify it, analyze it, and work through it, right? And I talk about money scripts and all of that because it was very important for me to tackle the mindset because if your mind is not open, you're not gonna get to the strengthen part. You're not gonna hear anything a financial advisor says. It's gonna go in one ear and out, and out the other. So stretch, I would say, is the section for you to start with. And then the middle section, strengthen, which is all the ways that you can, you can build up and fortify 
the, your financial core. And so there are elements in there that I speak to for established business owners, but that are also applicable to everyday people. There's a, there's a section on there called, like I said, the 10 cash commandments, especially in we're going into a recessionary environment. I'm sure there's some tips in there under the 10 cash commandments on how you could best manage uh, your cash flow. I also talk about risk and credit management, which business owners don't really think of. You think of personal credit and debt management, but your business can also build a credit profile. So you can leverage some of the strategies in there as an everyday person to better manage, establish, and improve your personal credit profile. At the end of the book, I go into, I don't want to call it woo-woo, but these are other sort of non-financial things you could get to do to get to peak performance. And two of the business owners who are multimillionaires, by the way, talked about after they got to their multimillions, they reflected on what got them there and they re-engaged with their why. And I think that's applicable to everyone. Re-engage with your why and constantly be learning and developing yourself. I think is is an important just principle to take on. So if your weakness, right, if we think of ourselves as a business and our SWAT, our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, strengths, if your weakness is financials, there is an opportunity for you to be better with it. So you get into dancing with numbers, into the book, and you start with stretch and you go into strengthen. And you might pick up some nuggets over there in the soar. S-O-R-E, the third section of the book. I love it. And it reminds me so much. I have a, a group of young female business owners that I meet with regularly here in the Twin Cities. And one of the things I'm going to shout out Bella, she's the founder of Coconut Whisk. One of the things Bella says regularly is, you know, we're doing this, we're building wealth, we're making money so we can put it in the hands of the women behind us who are going to be building these businesses, building financial independence. And this is what wealth accumulation especially means for Bella, but especially means for women business owners is in order. And that's just, I mean, that's backed by data that, you know, when you put capital in the hands of women, it goes out into the community. It's brilliant. And, and I love that your approach recognizes that and is intentional about the flow of capital and how we can responsibly kind of funnel funnel dollars in ways that are meaningful to us and make an impact. So Trisha, thank you for this work. That, um, I appreciate everything you just said. Um, you're welcome. I thank you guys. And I just, I wanted to say our mission, truth be told, is to help 10,000 women entrepreneurs elevate their business beyond seven figures so they could pay themselves and they could pay hire more people. So I, I want to get women entrepreneurs out of the vicious cycle of stagnant growth, lack of confidence, can't get access to capital because your business doesn't isn't strong enough. Like we we gotta get out of that cycle. So thank you for this forum, Renee, and uh, all the women business owners, women leaders out there. Let's get this into book. this financial empowerment. Yes. And if you are in New York, you've got something very exciting happening at the beginning of December. You want to talk about it? I absolutely do. So uh, on Monday, December 5th at Luminary NYC, it is a co-working hub primarily for women entrepreneurs and women leaders run by the wonderful, fabulous Kate Luvio, business owner 
want to plug all the women business owners. <laughs> they are co-sponsoring it. So 5.30 to 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. We're having a book signing event. And we're having a panel of some of the entrepreneurs that I interviewed in the book to talk more about how they overcame their challenges, woes, you know, demystified the numbers. So I encourage all of you to follow me on Instagram at FinCoreStrong, where we're going to start to put out some information soon with more details. So that's FinCore, F-I-N-C-O-R-E, strong, S-T-R-O-N-G. We will put that in the show notes and we'll put your website in the show notes. If you've got, by the time this goes up, if you've got like a, an event page that will go in the show notes too. where you can get this book will be there. Everything you need to know about Trisha, about dancing with numbers and how you can support, but also learn from you. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And, And the one question I do love to ask our authors on the podcast is, and I, I didn't, prep you for this. So take your time if you need it. Do you have a book that you're loving right now that you want to recommend to our audience? Doesn't have to be financial. It can be anything you want. What is a book that you would like to recommend to our readers? Can I do two? Yes. So for the business owners, if you have not read Michael Gerber's The E-Myth Revisited or The E-Myth, please read it. It talks about why small business owners fail and The cliff note is many of us never graduate from being employee to being manager to being CEO. Mm. Takes different mindset, different skill set. And so a lot of us stay in the freelancer mode where we're just an employee of our own rat trap. Mm -hmm. And we never graduate to CEO. And that was like, you know the emoji with the mind blown thing? (laughs) I kind of knew it and and I have a bit and I have a business degree, but the business degree only prepares you to work in a corporation, but not to build a corporation. That's a conversation for a whole nother day. E-Myth Revisited, Michael Gerber. And then just in my life, the most impactful book to me was The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And, you know, whatever you believe, but I believe in God and he speaks about the fact that we are all born with certain traits and skills and, ha- and, and things that were talents that we're good at. And that's what we are meant to do and be in life. And it is up to us. Part of life's journey is for us to align with the things that God has already put inside of you. So if you're great at dance or you're great at cooking, or you're great at playing the piano, or you're great at numbers, just naturally, is because it was put inside of you. And if you're resisting it, you're resisting what you were aligned to be in life. And like, that sticks with me. Like, why am I in numbers and people can't understand it? It's not for people to understand. It's for Mm -hmm. me and God to understand because that's what he gave me. And it was up to me to craft a life that aligns with what he gave me. And so the purpose-driven life That feels like a book that you can reread over and over again whenever you need a little pep talk. Yeah. All right. No, there's no sin there. I've made photocopies of it. I highlight. I highlighted. I've amened in it. I mean, there's a lot. Get out to anybody. It is definitely like a life. If you, you, midlife crisis, read that book. Mm, That's great. That's wonderful. Check the show notes for all of those things. Trisha, thank you so much for being here. 
You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, I'm Nina Simons, author of the award-winning book, Nature, Culture, and the Sacred, A Woman Listens for Leadership. In it, I describe how leadership itself is being reinvented and modeled by amazing sheroes in every area of life, and how working with hundreds of diverse women changemakers helped me to learn how to create the conditions for collaboration and trust. So if you're looking to deepen your understanding of leadership with practices for liberating who you were born to be, then this book is for you. Learn more by visiting ninasimons.com. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well,